Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, nutritionist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialise in women's health and the menopause. There are multiple ways that diet and lifestyle can support you through the challenges of midlife. And my latest book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with all my best nutritional advice to help you tailor your diet to your menopause symptoms. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Happy New Year, everyone. It's January the 4th, so you've probably already started thinking about changes you might want to make to your life. Because it's that time of year when a fresh start seems very appealing. Now, I'm not a big fan of the radical detox because it's not sustainable and your body won't really enjoy it or benefit from it in the long term. On the other hand, simple and consistent changes can make a world of difference to your health and well-being. And I've got just the guest to help us create a beautiful midlife for ourselves. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Better You, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. We need optimum levels of vitamin D to absorb the calcium, which keeps our bones strong and healthy. And that's why a supplement really is a non-negotiable for women in midlife. Vitamin D also plays a key role in supporting immune function, protecting against infection, and it can influence our mood and mental health too. I'm a big fan of the Better You Vitamin D Oral Sprays, which include products suitable for all the family that are very simple to use and with a delicious peppermint flavour. Discover their full range of vitamin and mineral sprays and their wonderfully calming magnesium products, which come as lotions, bath salts and skin sprays, by visiting betteryou.com forward slash THM, where listeners can get 20% off at checkout using the code THM, subject to terms and conditions. So that's B-E-T-T-E-R-Y-O-U.com forward slash THM plus the discount code THM, which stands for the happy menopause. Nice and easy to remember. And so on to today's episode. I'm delighted that Tanya Dalton is joining me today, as she's the most brilliantly positive person who found herself ill-equipped to manage her own menopause transition and took action to educate herself in the different ways she could begin to thrive through midlife and beyond. She went on to found Beautiful Midlife, an expert health coaching business, which empowers women to make small changes to transform their health, increase their confidence, and thrive through this stage of life. She's full of practical advice and wisdom, so let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Tanya. Thanks, Jackie. I'm really excited to be here. I've been a long-term follower of yours for a long time. Ah, well, I think we've been mutual followers. I know we connected on Instagram some years ago, so it's great to have you on the show because I've been following your story as well and I can't wait for you to share it with the listeners. So tell us about it. What is that story and how did it lead to where you are today? Sure. So do you know what? I've kind of always been interested in health my entire life. I got my first set of barbell and dumbbells for my 15th birthday, which was quite unusual back then. So I've been kind of strength training on and off for 40 years now. But there's been times in my life where I haven't been so healthy as well. So I've kind of, I feel like I've experienced everything. The pivotal point, I think for me though, was when my dad died of a sudden heart attack when he was only 47. And uh, the year after that. How old were you? 
I was in my early 20s. So, yeah, my oh, first. Oh, that's very young for you. Yeah, Gosh. yeah, it was terrible. My first ever funeral I had to organise <laughs> and because um, my mother was in shock. And, yeah, it was really, it, like I said, it was a pivotal point. I trained as a fitness instructor the year after that. And so for the next 30 years, I've basically been really interested in healthy aging. And now as a 55-year-old postmenopausal woman, I'm kind of living that. So yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, so I studied as a fitness trainer. I've done a whole lot of other qualifications and things. Became a health coach over the last few years, which I totally love. I feel like I've found my passion in life. That's amazing. So before this light bulb moment, this sort of pivotal time when when your dad died, had you trained to do something else at that point? What were you doing? So I worked in a corporate environment for 20 years, actually. And then on the side, after my dad died, I worked as a trainer. So yeah, so I've kind of done a bit of everything, I suppose. Right, I see. Okay. So you, for some time, you were juggling the, the corporate side of things with working and well-being on the side. Yes, that's right. And then, yeah, children and then juggling well health and wellness with children. And yeah, now it's my full-time job, finally. My children are just about finished school. So now I feel like... 55, I'm really just starting my kind of best career in my life. And I suppose, you know, we have something in common that we believe that this is really an amazing time of life. And I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Yeah, the happy menopause. There's no getting away from it. That's how it can be. And that's how it should be. So it must have been a great moment to think you could actually focus 100% on, on your passion, the thing that really drives you. Yeah, definitely. I just love this. I just love changing women's lives. I love seeing that that women can change, helping them recognize their strengths, I suppose, that we've developed over all of these decades. Sometimes that kind of gets lost in the whole menopause thing, but we do really have so many skills that we've acquired over the years and we can use those to our advantage at this time of life. So that's kind of one of my favorite parts of what I do now. Yeah. So tell us what you learned. Tell us about your menopause. Did you feel prepared for it? <laughs> no, not at all. Like, as I suppose eight years ago was when I think I started entering perimenopause when I was around 47. And I really didn't know much about it at all because, you know, no one was really talking about it now. I know things have changed a bit, you know, now yeah. and people are talking about it. Back then they weren't. And I naively thought that I wasn't even going to experience menopause, that I'd just wake up one day and my periods would stop and I'd get on with life. And of course, I was completely wrong about that. I experienced. I think so many of us feel felt that though. I mean, when I was a teenager, my mum, I had no idea she was going through menopause, never mentioned it. And we didn't mention it. And I think that it was only because I was working in the space that I would often talk about it. And then friends might suddenly say, oh, yes, do you know, I experienced that too. And they dared to say something. But I think we didn't really know. And so many of the symptoms aren't what you are led to expect. I mean, the only thing I knew about it in my 30s was hot flushes and period stop. I didn't know anything about all the other stuff that could happen, nor how long it could all take. Oh, I know. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I mean, still there's so many women that don't really understand how menopause works and that's what we've got to change I suppose because I really do believe that education is power and once I did educate myself I was able to felt like I was able to take back control like for a start I felt completely out of control I had no idea what was going on I'd go to doctors and they'd try to prescribed me antidepressants when I knew I wasn't depressed. I was just kind of confused and <laughs> unsure about what was happening. <laughs> yeah. So you were struggling with quite a lot of the psychological symptoms, were you? 
I think more confusion and frustration, I suppose I would call it. And Mm. I did experience a lot of sleep issues and that was exasperated by severe night sweats. Uh, And I had definitely had some mood issues. I call it my supermarket rage where I get grumpy at the supermarket all the time. (laughs) Just a lot of things and then some joint issues. I mean, it's just kind of, it feels never ending when you're in the middle of it, doesn't it? I've kind of like, I feel like I've forgotten a little bit about how, it's kind of like childbirth. You kind of forget how bad it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, nature's way of helping you just forget about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I did struggle. But what I found that helped me was when I did educate myself, then I started to look at the symptom I was experiencing or the issue I was experiencing and going, is that because, is that being made worse by how I'm um, treating myself and my lifestyle? So, for example, the sleep, I'd never prioritised sleep before in my entire life. I kind of thought I didn't need sleep. I worked in a corporate environment where you're rewarded Mm. for not having the bit for having the ability not to sleep and when I started to address that and address things like sleep hygiene, it made such a big difference. I'm not saying it fixed it completely, but it made a huge difference to how I could sleep and how I managed my days and things like that. So I think sleep was my number one thing. Stress management was my other one that I hadn't really prioritised ever before. And once I started considering those things, it just it, it kind of snowballed the other way and it started impacting all of the other you know issues that I was having and just improved everything. Yeah, I I think that's very important to to recognise that it's a whole jigsaw of things. And yes, of course, the hormones are responsible for loads of stuff that's going on. But it's also very easy to blame the menopause, isn't it, for anything else that might be happening when you think, well, actually, okay, yes, the hot flushes are affecting my sleep. But am I actually also drinking caffeine late at night? Is my bedroom too hot or too cold or too noisy or too light? Am I actually spending a lot of time on social media or working emails uh, late at night? So my brain's going, you know, what are the other things I can do to contribute towards the jigsaw of sleep? Because there's only so much I might be able to do about my hormones. Exactly, exactly. I just think our bodies become so much more less tolerant to bad behavior, if that makes sense, when we're going through menopause and and after and post-menopause. So things that we could get away with when we were younger, you can't get away with as much now. And when we recognize that and go, we do need to make changes, we do need to adapt to this new kind of biology and new way of our our body operating, then it gets so much better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do think there is this sense when we're younger that we're sort of quite indestructible. And you assume that if you can always do that, that actually it will always be that way. Quite often people say to me, for example, well, yes, but I've always had a cup of coffee after dinner. It can't be the caffeine. And I have to explain, well, yes, but the enzyme in your liver that breaks down caffeine isn't going to be as effective now during and post-menopause. So actually what you could do, perhaps you can't do now. And it is, as you say, just sort of learning to slightly accept that if you do things differently, your body will reward you for it. Yeah, exactly. Like our body does operate differently now. And once we get our head around that and go, we need to maybe make some adjustments and our body's going to keep changing. And, you know, we need to keep adapting to these changes as we age, if we want to thrive, if we want to, you know, be struggling and kind of fighting these changes, that's another thing. But if you want to thrive, then you kind of need to adapt and evolve and change so that you can live your best life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things you talk about a lot on your website, and, and I'm sure in your workshops as well, is is this sense of empowering women to to radiate confidence. And I I love that sense of 
Well, the idea of radiating confidence sounds brilliant to me. But we both know that as women, you know, start to approach menopause, the one thing they lose, if assuming they had it in the first place, is confidence. There's that real sense of loss of confidence. Even if you're not struggling with sort of severe issues around low mood depression or mood swings, a lot of women have a sense of sort of slight residual anxiety and that sense of things they'd confidently handle in the past actually not being able to, or worse, things that you always found a bit difficult becoming frankly unmanageable. So why do you think so many of us lack confidence? It's a really hard time. I think when everything's changing, our body's changing, we often, our body shape changes. For some reason, women can't accept that their body is going to change shape during menopause, even though it's like a kind of reverse puberty when, you know, like we would never tell our daughters that it's not okay to get hips and breasts, but for some reason we can't accept that perhaps our body's going to change at menopause. I think that yeah. is a real struggle. When you, and I understand it happened to me as well. When none of your clothes fit, you feel not great about yourself. You don't look like you anymore. You don't feel like you. Your mind's not working the same because, you know, the changes that happen during that menopause period you can see why you've lost confidence. And then you're also bombarded with these messages that menopause means the end, menopause means you're getting old. And yeah. you can see why we lose confidence. It's, it's real, it is really hard. I think realising that is kind of the first step in being able to overcome that. Yeah. And well, so what can we do about it? How do we overcome it? Well, for me, I think that First of all, educating yourself, understanding that it is okay for our bodies to change. Being a little bit kind to ourselves is really important. And also, again, recognising, you know, what where, who you are as a person now. Like you've got these decades of knowledge and experience and wisdom that you can use in this next stage of your life. When you start realising that, I feel like you can kind of step into your power and do that without uh, being weighed down by your reproductive hormones because now you're kind of free. Now you're free to actually yeah. kind of live this amazing new life without that kind of side of you, which I found myself being held back a little bit because of this need to reproduce and be, you know, so full on in my motherhood kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because you've you've got to sort of learn to accept the new you and move forward, but everything around you is sort of sending you the wrong messages. It's not easy. It's not easy. And that's why I think we need to start rebranding menopause. I really do believe that when we see menopause as a new beginning rather than an ending, then, you know, we can utilize that and, and make this an amazing part of life and, and allow women to think this isn't a bad thing. This is an incredible thing. We can like live our best lives in this new era. And when we can rebrand that and, and and change our mindset a bit, then I think it helps not only us, but it helps the women coming behind us as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's incredibly important. I, I like to see it as a, a door opening to a whole new version of you. Because let's face it, you know, you've got probably a third of your life, you've got years, a good 30 years or more ahead of you. And do you want to live that in that sense of feeling, well, you know, that's it, I'm done. I'm not good enough anymore, because that simply isn't good enough. I, I totally agree. I, my nan, I remember her talking about kind of, she was talking about death when she was probably my age, you know, mid fifties. She lived till wow. she was in her nineties. Like that was 40, <laughs> 40, nearly 40 more years of her kind of 
talking about death and that it was kind of the end. And if she had have not done that, she could have, you know, lived a much more vibrant and happy life, I think. And if I, I, I'm hoping to live to my 90s and I'm definitely not thinking about death now. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And I think the thing is that there is this sense, you know, in, in older in older traditions, tribes, the sort of sense of the the wise woman of the village. And I think we should take that mantle on and recognise, as you say, we've got all this experience, all manner of different experiences that is really valuable. And if you don't value yourself, how will other people value you? I totally agree, Jackie. I really think that this is a time to for us to step into our power, for us to own our own this knowledge and wisdom and you know, it can, there can be challenges. Don't get me wrong. It's not always easy, but it is possible. And our mindset really is the key because our mind's so powerful. If we tell ourselves that, you know, this is kind of a downward spiral, then that's what's going to happen. If we tell ourselves this is really the start of a new beginning, then that's how we're going to start living. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us very neatly to something else I want to talk about, which is your MELT method. So first of all, what is it and how does it work? Yeah, so it's kind of a framework of how I work with my clients. And again, I just look at our health kind of holistically. And that's something I probably didn't do in the past. Now I actually think post-menopause, I'm actually healthier than I was pre-menopause because I haven't just looked at exercise and nutrition. I've actually also looked at the way I'm living and the way I'm thinking and things like that. So Melty mm. is move beautiful, eat beautiful, live beautiful, think beautiful. And when you combine all of those elements and not in a big way either, I think it's all those little things, those little parts of your lifestyle that can actually create a really big change and a big difference. So it's putting all of that together and recognising that what's right for me is not right for someone else. So my version of my melt method is different than what your version would be. And just ensuring that people can create their most beautiful midlife. (laughs) And so... Can you give us an example? I mean, why does it work? It works with everyone because when you just work on one aspect of your overall health in isolation, you know, it doesn't create this holistic kind of way of living. So when you start working on all the little aspects, but also realizing that, again, it doesn't have to be big things. It's just the little changes. So, you know, for example, one of my clients is just eating breakfast. She goes, oh my goodness. Now, I'll go for my walk and I feel like eating. So she's added a walk in before breakfast. She feels like her breakfast now and her digestion's working better. So she's feeling a bit better about herself. So, and then she's thinking more positively and it just creates a snowball. I just love it. I love seeing how these tiny little things like a simple 15 minute walk plus breakfast can then impact all of those other areas of your life as well. Yeah. So how would you advise someone for on the move beautiful side of things who doesn't really exercise either because they never have because some people don't or because they really really believe they don't have time yeah all those things are valid it's really hard it's it's sometimes not easy but I I really you know there's obviously there's some optimal things you can do like ideally you can do some strength training but I always say it has to work for your lifestyle so don't not move because you can't do what's optimal so simply walking yeah. more. I, I, I truly, walking's my favourite form of exercise and I just try to do the little things, park further away at the supermarket, park further away at the shopping centre. I try to take the dog for, even if it's a tiny walk, I just do it religiously every morning and every evening. So I'm in that habit. So all of those little things really can add up. And 
you know, I always say as well, your body doesn't know whether you're pushing a weight at a gym or pushing a lawnmower, for example. So like I love gardening and I find that a really good form of exercise as well. And there's so many ways you can incorporate movement into your everyday life. So I like to talk about movement rather than exactly, you know, formal exercise. Formal exercise is great, but moving more every day is kind of the key. Yeah. And I mean, I know it sounds very boring, but there are some studies that show that housework can actually be um, significant as well. Sort of pushing the hoover around if it's one of those ones, not an upright one, but the ones where you really have to push the the long stem thing um, and mopping and dusting and all those things. It's just moving, isn't it? Yeah, I, I always, I'm not a very good house cleaner and I don't, I don't have a cleaner, but I'm not very good at it. But my mum is an excellent house cleaner and she's very fit and healthy, 79-year-old. <laughs> and, I, and I really do believe it's partly because she's so, got such a clean yeah. house. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's just all moving the body in different ways, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, I, I think most people probably have a bit of an idea about, you know, eat beautiful because it's about eating the right foods. There's a big difference, isn't there, between sort of knowing we should eat our greens, because we all know that really, and actually valuing ourselves sufficiently to make sure we eat well. So what sort of advice do you give people? How do you coach people into sort of changing their habits? Yeah, eating is really hard. And I think it's all about, again, making little changes and making it easy for yourself. So, you know, I often use pre-cut salad mixes and things like that. Any way to get more vegetables in, I just think the easiest way possible really does help so it doesn't again doesn't have to be complicated I'll like for lunch I'll have like a pre-cut salad just throw it in a bowl it like takes literally two seconds (laughs) and trying to think about all those ways that you know to make it easier for yourself so to make it make it more more chance that you can be successful I think as well yeah yeah I think it also helps to sort of recognize and understand what's in food and know that if you're eating a certain food that is bringing x y and z nutrient which will help a b and c in the body so thinking about not the calories but very much about the nutrition content of what you're having and the impact it could have on you and your hormones and all the different body systems because if you start to think of it in that way i think it really helps because we are so caught up in in our generation i think of very much the low fat generation it was <laughs> hammered into us wasn't it in our 20s yeah. and so a lot of my clients in my nutrition clinic are frightened of eating foods that contain fat, even though, you know, I explained to them the importance of fat, the role that it plays in hormone balance. It's that instinctive thing. It's tricky, isn't it? I totally agree. Do you know, I've got this funny story about fat. I, because I was in, obviously grew up in the um, high carb, low fat time. And I remember sending a salad back once because it had a drizzle of olive oil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so embarrassed to say that, but that's how bad I used to take things to extreme. I thought I was being healthy. Really, I was actually, it was being detrimental. And it's hard to change those when you've had that ingrained into you for decades it's hard to change and I think people need to give themselves a bit of self-compassion like I think people are often hard on themselves that they can't make these changes quickly because it's hard to make changes that that you've been doing for you know maybe 30 years of your life and when you start realizing that and realizing that it does take time to create changes and it does take time to learn new behaviors then that can be a bit you know, that can be really helpful and realizing that it's not all or nothing, that, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to get, get it right sometimes and, and you're not at other times and that's okay. As long as yeah, you're kind of, yeah. kind of moving forward a little bit all of the time. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. The general trajectory is towards yeah. trying to make those changes. Yeah. So when it comes to live beautiful, what does it mean? It's a variety of things. So live beautiful, I just think I, there's something, you know, there's so much talk now about how important social connection is. I think that's a really big part of live beautiful. It's about doing things that bring you joy. It's about, you know, being around your family if that brings you joy. And, um, just realizing that your environment, even your environment that you're living in, like if you're, you know, when I'm living in my house and it's, you know, a bit not haven't been very good with my cleaning and it's cluttered and things, it doesn't it doesn't help me live my best life. When it's really neat and I decluttered, I feel so much more freer and more able to then do those other healthy behaviors. I think it just everything kind of really does integrate and help you to, you know, we kind of forget about a lot of the things that actually make a difference to how we feel about ourselves and how we want to live our lives going forward. Yeah, I mean, it is true because uh, like you, I'm not the best at keeping the house in in great shape. But when it is, I just sit on the sofa, I think, oh, doesn't it all look nice? And I have that sense of lightness somehow. And small things like that can really make a big difference to just your overall mood, I think. Yeah. And when you're feeling good, then you more feel like going, okay, I might go for a walk now. Like it, it everything yeah. impacts everything else. And then when things aren't going so well, then that can create this other kind of spiral downwards. So, yeah. yeah. I think, and I really do think social connection, particularly I feel a lot of women in this time of life, and it was really hard, obviously, because of COVID, but we kind of retreat. I found myself retreating a bit during my menopause transition because I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't feeling so good about my body changes and nothing, none of my clothes fitted me. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to buy new clothes because I thought, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to, you know, get my body back. Once I kind of let go of all that and bought some new clothes and started going out again, oh my goodness, I felt so much better and just being able to talk to other people and, and again, talk to other women about menopause and realise that you're not the only one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredibly important to share that. And of course, that brings us neatly to uh, Think Beautiful, which I imagine is all about mindset, which you've briefly touched on. I mean, it sounds, of course, absolutely right that we focus on our mindset. But let's face it, you know, we're busy, we're tired, we're overwhelmed. And frankly, all the world news is pretty grim right now. So, you know, how, how can we influence our mindset with all those challenges around us? Yeah, it is challenging. I, I agree. And it is challenging when everything's changing f- with your body during menopause as well and, and your mind and all that kind of stuff. First of all, showing yourself a little bit of self-love, I think is really important as far as that goes and a bit of self-compassion, I think is really important. And then I always get back to getting women to look at their values about what really they care about and then looking at their strengths as well like we sometimes forget how much we've you know all of the things we've dealt with and how we can use those strengths and skills that we already have possess in creating this kind of healthier life because often I think women put their needs you know at the bottom of the to-do list I've just been talking about this a lot lately but at the bottom of the to-do list when we should be at the top of our to-do list and yeah realizing that we are capable and I love seeing women actually go, oh my goodness, I actually am capable. I have got all these strengths and I can use that to help create these healthy changes in my life. And then I think the most important thing though is working out your why. So why do you want to, you know, create a healthy life and be aging well? For me, my why is going hiking. I only started multi-day hiking in my late 40s and I wanted to keep doing it hopefully until my 90s. So that's my big motivator for leading a fit and healthy life. And 
when you can work out your why, which is going to be different than my why, that's when you can start going, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I want to eat healthier. This is why I want to move my body more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, we're in January. So it's that time when people are often thinking about making changes and doing things differently. So if the listeners are thinking, well, all this sounds good, and I want to get going with some changes straight away, where's the best place to start? Yeah, so the number one is why. Really look into what is what is your why? Why why do you want to do that? The other thing, if you're a midlife woman, I really do believe that strength training is our superpower as we age. So if you can, I know it's not always easy, but if you can consider starting to do some strength training, the sooner you start, the more benefits you'll get as you age. It's a good kind of January is a good time to try something new if you haven't done it before. But if you don't like that, and if strength training isn't for you, finding something that brings you joy. What is it that brings you joy? What movement brings you joy? And yeah. that might be um, you might have to even think about things you liked when you were younger and having another go at those. It's, it can be hard because, if we've, like I said, if we've put ourselves, at, you know, our, our needs are before, you know, behind everyone else's for so long, it's, sometimes it's hard to go, gosh, what is it that I do like? What is it that I want to do with my life? And what is it that makes me happy and makes me, you know, enjoy moving? So that's very true. One of the questions I often ask a new client in the first session is, what do you do to relax? And I can't tell you the number of times this is really awkward silence (laughs) where they think, relax what do I do do I do I ever relax what do I do what do I enjoy I don't know um um watch tv and then they feel guilty for saying watch tv because they think they should be doing knitting or something that's sort of you know more positive or has more positive sort of sense about it when it doesn't matter what you do to relax but that sense of I don't even give myself time to relax I don't relax it's it's a real it's a real problem I think I agree. I agree. I think we feel guilty for relaxing, don't we? And we shouldn't. We, we need to. It's really important to balance, you know, movement and activity and everything else with really allowing our body to recover and rejuvenate yeah. and, and our mind as well, not just our body, it's our mind as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, again, back to the January theme, I have to ask this because it's just they're everywhere at the moment. What's your view on detoxes, Tanya? Yeah, my view personally, do you know what? I I never tell people what to do and what not to do. I allow women to work out what's right for them because, you know, everyone's body's different. But for me personally, I don't do detoxes. I really just try to create a lifestyle that I can maintain for the rest of my life. And I don't try to diet. I had an eating disorder when I was younger, so I'm pretty passionate passionate about not dieting ever, ever again in my life. I I think as a 55-year-old woman, do I really want to diet? You know, is that something I want to do? I've, I've heard about women in their 80s dieting. That is not what oh, I want to do. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness, me, no. No, um, no, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so I kind of don't I don't really as subscribe to di- diets or detoxes or anything like that. I'd be interested in your opinion, actually. I mean, I, you know, there maybe is some benefits, but, again, so is eating quite healthy. <laughs> as a nutritionist, I do feel very strongly about this because it's that time of year where – all kinds of weird stuff comes in and people think they can get this quick fix by eating weirdly for a few weeks. And first of all, you know, we've got our own inbuilt detox system. The liver knows what it's doing. If you give the liver the tools to do the job, it'll it'll detox you every day. You don't have to sort of 
have weird concoctions and do horrible stuff and starve yourself or whatever might be the, the regime that you've you've landed upon. And I think there's so much to be said for just doing things right about 80% of the time consistently. Our body loves consistency. It loves to know what it's doing. And I think more than ever through uh, midlife and menopause, it really appreciates you know, your metabolism, likes to know what's happening. If it knows what's happening, it, it, it will activate itself. If it doesn't know what's happening, it will freeze. It will turn into that camel mode that I often talk about, where it will store everything because it doesn't know what you're going to do, when you're going to feed it next, and what you're going to be feeding it with. Whereas if you're consistent and you show your body, well, this is this is how we this is how we roll nowadays. We use our melt method. I love the melt method. Um, then um, you know you're you're straight away just giving your body the tools to the job and you don't need to think about it anymore because it can get on and do what it's cleverly programmed to do so i'm with you really i think sensible changes and steady consistent approaches are generally much more effective yeah i think we try to overcomplicate things and it really health is not really complicated health is kind of eating mostly healthy foods with some, you know, less healthy foods that you enjoy. Yeah. It's about yeah, moving your body regularly. There. It's about getting decent sleep and, um, yeah. you know, adding some mindfulness in and just having more joy in our life. And honestly, I always say I think if you're eating mostly healthy foods and moving your body regularly, then your body will kind of find its own set weight, you know, yeah. without too much hassle. <laughs> yeah, it will. Re- recognizing that sometimes we have kind of messed our bodies around a lot and it might take a bit longer because it's got a lot of kind of recovery to do because of how mean we've maybe been to it in the past. But yeah, but overall, when we start just creating a simple, healthy lifestyle, and I know it sounds kind of boring, but really that's kind of there's no magic. There's no magic pill. It's yeah. just it's just simple, consistent practices that make up a really healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Tanya, tell me, where can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Sure. My website's beautifulmidlife.com and I'm really just mainly on Instagram at Tanya Dalton. I do have a private Facebook group, which you can access through um, both of those kind of platforms. So yeah, so that's basically quite simple. I try to keep everything simple. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now I love simple. Well, I'll be sure to put links to all of those in the show notes so people can find you easily. I would definitely give Tanya a follow because her Instagram, if you're on Instagram, is a really inspirational feed. So we're coming to the end, unfortunately. I could chat to you for ages because I think we are very much on the same page. But before we go, what are your top two tips for women who are struggling with the menopause? Yeah, I've kind of covered probably these, what we've talked about, but I really think the number one thing is to show yourself a lot of self-love and self-compassion. And I know it can be really hard at this time of life, but, you know, our body's going through a significant hormonal change and it does take time to adjust. And when we kind of stop fighting it and trying to, you know, be mean to our body for doing that, it really can change everything. So that's, I think, kind of the number one. Then the second thing I think is, again, just think about all of those little things. It doesn't have to be really, really complicated. We don't have to go and find a magic pill. If you do need help, definitely seek help from a doctor. Um, no one should be suffering through menopause or seek help through a nutritionist. I mean, I know I've got a lot of information from you when I was going through my menopause transition that has really helped. So seek help. Don't feel like you have to suffer and talk to people. 
Great advice. So I think that was about 10, not two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people can cherry pick. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me today, Tanya. Thanks, Jackie. I just love chatting to Tanya. We're on the same page in so many ways, and I find her positivity incredibly inspiring. If you'd like to find out more about the work that she does, or sign up to one of her MELT programs, I've put all the details on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk. And if you want some targeted nutrition advice this January, my book provides a symptom-by-symptom guide for how to manage your menopause. Check out The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, which is available in all the usual places. Next month, we'll be talking sex. So tune in if you've been struggling with this area, as my guest has some brilliant expert advice for you. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And please give it a five-star rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. I'd be so grateful. And do tell your friends and family about it too. It really does make a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast so that more women can find the show. After all, every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.